what's happening, fool. It's your old chuckle buddy. Yes, who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent February 12th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. It's another early one. Up with the birds, chirping. Yeah, crack at the asshole sweat. Crack at the fucking, um, you know, crack of the meat locker. It's fucking uh, 4.36 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I like this new format. Get my ass up early. Get up and hurrah. Get up and start squawking, you know, uh, off the cuff first thing in the morning. Get it out of the way. Get on with the day, you know. It's blessed. Yes, um, so, um, previously on Jonathan Ramtran and the podcast, I'd mentioned a few things that I wanted to, uh, carry forward into this episode, because, uh, I was just running short on time last episode, I was kinda, you know, I was on my way to work, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're new to the podcast, I'm a janitor, yeah, so what, I mop floors, buff hallways, sweep, uh, garages, scrub toilets, Hmm? So what, you wouldn't kiss a janitor, huh? Too dirty for you, huh? No, it's not that. It's just that I don't want to move too fast and I don't want to move too slow. No, it's because I'm a fucking janitor. No, John, no. No, it's not because you're a janitor. It's because you're anger. You have such anger in you. No, I don't, you fucking whore. Ah! <clears throat> no, it's so good. <clears throat> yeah, right. I'm a gentle, gentle lion. Jungle lion? No, I'm gentle. <laughs> Take my word for it. But yeah, I'm a janitor. Uh, yep. Crack of the... <clears throat> Up at the crack of dawn. Uh, last week I was running short on time. And uh, I had to go do some janitor services, is what I'm saying. So if you're new to the podcast, I am Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire, stand-up comedian extraordinaire, uh, alcoholic, uh-oh. Two months and, uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it feels like that. And hey, man, two months is a victory when you can't even go fucking two minutes without drinking. Have you ever been to that place? Hmm? Before you go judging your uncle because he touched you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Before you go judging your drunk uncle because of his, uh, you know, drunken indiscretions. Wink, wink. Like, think about it. Like, there's people that can't even go fucking, like, uh... Two minutes without drinking or, or huffing paint or whatever the fuck their addiction is, right? And, you know, I was really down that path. Sometimes it feels like it was just two months ago, right? Because, like, there was a time when I couldn't go two months. Fuck, man, I couldn't even string together. I couldn't go more than two days without drinking. After the two-day mark, I'd be like, you know what? Fuck it. What's the point? My life's fucked. I'm fucked. Whatever. Let's do this. Give me some relief for the pain. The pain. And, uh, yeah, like, so when I say it seemed like two months, I mean, two months is a major thing. If you're somebody out there struggling and you got two months, hallelujah, God bless you, keep coming back, do all that shit. And it's just going to get better for you. You know, sometimes people go um, in recovery, they go, uh, you know, this is the hardest work. Now the real work starts and you got a lot of work ahead. It's just like, yo, like, what work? 
waking up with like a clear conscience, a healthy body, no hangover, money in your pocket, no shame for what you did the night before. Like what, 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 what work? And even if there is work, the thing about work is you get paid. What the fuck do you think I'm going to work for this morning, huh? Shits and giggles? Hmm? Think I'm going to go scrub out a toilet and, you know, change toilet paper rolls just for the fucking fun of it? No, they pay me, you fucking idiots. So there's nothing wrong with work. Go out and get some fucking payment. Haven't you suffered enough? Isn't it time you came back to Jesus? <laughs> That's another thing, too, about uh, recovery. I mean, uh, if you're somebody new and considering recovery, um, most recovery programs are contrary to the contrary to the belief a lot of them are uh, at least the one that I belong to which is pretty obvious seeing as I am an alcoholic uh, yeah the, the whole god notion the whole higher power that is totally for you to decide so don't feel as if you're being forced into a religion forced into a belief you know uh, no one's interested in your beliefs. They just want to be with you in communion as an alcoholic, as a recovering alcoholic. There's no interest in your opinion. <laughs> There's no interest in your beliefs. Like, it's just like, it's a place for everybody to come as equals. <laughs> come as equals. <gasps> We're so equal. <sighs> Is that how you sound when you come? <laughs> uh, come as equals and... Uh, be in communion as alcoholics, you know, just to be together and uh, be unified, to be with people that have the same problem as you and uh, face another 24 hours. Hallelujah. So when I say that two months, it seems like two months ago, again, two months is a big time when you're, when you are, when you're really struggling with an addiction. So, but uh, haha, I'm actually two years and three months. <laughs> Throw it in your face. Reach up and be like your old chuckle buddy, John Ramtran here. See, maybe one day you can, uh, you know, sound like an idiot on a microphone uh, if you stay in recovery. So God bless everyone. And uh, yeah, those are the four things that head up uh, Jonathan Ramtran. Actor, comedian, alcoholic, temporary laborer. So welcome to the show. Uh, and yes... Like I mentioned, previously on the episode, I had some things I wanted to talk about. Previously on the show, I had some things I wanted to talk about, but I had to stretch them out to uh, this episode because uh, I was running short on time. So while we're in the whole uh, recovery vein, is that a, you know, is that a triggering, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call that, a triggering uh, comparison? You know, and while we're in the recovery vein... <laughs> Uh, anyway, <clears throat> this is a little article that I read here. Uh, it was in the, it was in, it's from the Star, Toronto Star, Metro. You know, the free news rag that they hand out downtown Toronto. Uh, yeah. Check it. I'll read it. <clears throat> dry January. Can't wait for the end of dry January? Maybe that's a problem. Being sober, curious can help explore 
Relationships with Alcohol. This article was written by Jen Kirsch, special to the Toronto Star. For those who have decided to dabble in the month of sobriety, in a month of sobriety, care of the social acceptance of dry January, or for those who have chosen to be sober for 2019, now's the time that a cocktail of the benefits of abstaining is starting to soak in. What? In her book, Sober Curious, The Blissful Sleep, Greater Focus, Limitless Presence, and Deep Connection Awaiting Us, All on the Outside of Alcohol. That's a fucking mouthful. Is that the title of your book? I wrote a book. Oh, great. Well, what's it called? Uh, Sober Curious, The Blissful Sleep, The Greater Focus, uh, Limitless Presence, and Deep Connection Awaiting Us All on the Other Side of Alcohol. Oh, it just flows off the tongue. God. Author Ruby Warrington discusses that it me- what it means to flirt with the idea of sobriety, along with being aware of all the benefits of not drinking. To be sober curious means literally to question or get curious about every impulse, invitation, and expectation to drink versus just going along with the dominant drinking culture, says Warrington in a phone interview with The Star. If you're over halfway through dry January and you're feeling great, but you're looking forward to February, which we're in, to imbibe? What the fuck does that mean? I'm going to have to look this one up. Hold on a second. If you're over halfway through dry January and you're feeling great, but you're looking forward to February first to imbibe. I don't even know what that means, so give me one second. Imbibe. Where's my motherfucking dictionary? Dictionary! Dictionary! Oh, here it is. How could I have fucking started the podcast without my dictionary? Okay, imbibe. 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 Mbabo. Mbaba. Mbabo. Mbaba. Mbabo. Mbaba. Mbabo. Imbibe. To consume liquids by drinking. <laughs> Is that what I've been doing for the past 16 years? I'm not an alcoholic, I just imbibe. <laughs> it's the imbibement of my problem. Imbibing. <clears throat> I like that. Imbibe. To consume liquids by drinking. To receive into the mind. Oh, that's another... Uh, you know how they have like the different headings in the dictionary? Like, number one, the definition for imbibe is uh, to consume by drinking. Number two is to receive into the mind. And number three, to drink, especially alcohol. Hmm. Imbibe. These fucking uh, journalists in their goddamn words trying to get cute with me, you fucking lushes. Aren't, aren't all these fucking idiots who write for the newspaper drinkers themselves? Aren't you, aren't you imbibing on the company dime, you fucking lush? <clears throat> Anyways, here we go. If you're over halfway through dry January and you're feeling great, but you're looking forward to February 1st to imbibe, Warrington says you should question why you're so keen to take, a, to take it up again. Ask yourself, what would it be like to feel this good all the time? Instead of seeing not drinking as denying yourself, How about focusing on the benefits of what you could potentially cultivate in your life as a result of not drinking, says Warrington. 
Joe Jin, <coughs> aptly enough, Joe Jin is a Toronto-based fashion stylist in her early 30s, kind of cute, it's a picture of her, whose industry uh, involves invites to many events, launches and openings multiple times a week, complete with open bars and endless top-ups of drinks. Last January, she tried to abstain from alcohol, but was tempted and pressured when she went out and wasn't successful. At the end of the year, I was ashamed of myself. <laughs> oh, really? It took you that long? I was hoping to see changes with my weight and my relationship with my body. The line of work I'm in is so hectic, but there's also all these fabulous parties and events all the time, and it's just so easy to drink every <laughs> drink five nights a week, says Jin. She changed her approach for 2019 to make herself accountable, and she made a public, public declaration via social media that she is committing to having a sober 2019 with some wiggle room at the end of June when, there's, when she'll be traveling for family. What? Uh, that, that, that fucking thing annoyed me so much I couldn't even, my brain couldn't even keep reading. Uh, she changed her approach for 2019 to make herself accountable, and she made a public declaration via social media that she was committing to having sober 2019 with some wiggle room at the end of June where she'll be traveling for family wedding out of the country. For a family wedding out of the country. If you're going to do dry January and gave up, it's possible that the alcohol may have more control over you than you think. Read the full story at blah, blah, uh, thestar.com slash life slash health and wellness. Yeah, so here it is if you want to hear the full article. Uh, <clears throat> thestar.com forward slash life forward slash health underscore wellness. Thestar.com forward slash life forward slash health underscore wellness. Yeah, and when I said I got annoyed there, I mean, I mean, just that word wiggle room. Like, I'm not annoyed with what they said. I'm just annoyed. Wiggle room. Just fuck off. Wiggle room. Just said, ugh. But um, I wasn't so annoyed with what they said. But yeah, basically, they're talking about, um, you know, a different approach to sobriety. You know, um, making public declarations via social media, via, you know, your Twitter, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, or whatever the fuck, like Instagram, making these public declarations as a way to help you control, moderate your drinking. You know, like this young lady says, uh, she made one public declaration. She works in a job where there's a lot of events. She's... Um, tempted or encouraged to drink several nights a week by her peers. Um, and she wanted to make a public declaration online, social media, saying she's not drinking until the end of the year with some wiggle room in June when she's, uh, you know, traveling. It's, a, it's an interesting approach. Um, I don't knock it. Interesting article. Um, I guess what, I guess what was interesting to me was the idea of like, uh, number one, uh, what do you call it? Um, sober curious, people getting sober curious, like, you know, as they mentioned to quote the article, um, 
To be sober curious means literally to question or get curious about every impulse, invitation, and expectation to drink versus just going along with the dominant drinking culture. Um, ask yourself, what would it be like to feel good, this good, all the time? Instead of seeing not drinking as denying yourself, how about focusing on the benefits of what you could potentially cultivate in your life as a result of not drinking? So, it's interesting because it's like, yeah, maybe some people, maybe some people could benefit from just like cutting back, really monitoring, making public declarations to their family, friends, online media that they're not drinking for a certain period of time, to get sober curious. So yeah, it was interesting in that regard. It's a different approach, but you know, in my experience, it's like when you have an when you have an addiction problem, like for example, the way I define my problem along with other people that belong to my recovery method, um it's like a two-part condition. Some people even call it a, a disease. Medical societies call it a disease. So it's like if you got to drink, if you have a severe, if you if you're an alcoholic, according to some medical societies, according to you know a lot of recovery groups, it's a two-part condition. Number one, um, you have an you have an allergic reaction to alcohol. That means when you take a drink of alcohol, you cannot safely say when you'll stop. And you're constantly craving. Once that alcohol gets in your system, once you imbibe that shit, then you're 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 in fucking uh, craving mode. You you can't you can't safely say when you'll stop. And number two, there's a mental obsession, a compulsive, all-encompassing thought process. That comes with the addicted mind. You're just constantly in that mode. Thinking, thinking, thinking. When can I imbibe? When can I imbibe? When can I imbibe? You know? Like for example, if, if, you, if for the true alcoholic, I believe, at least for me, being a true alcoholic, if I were to subscribe to this method, okay, I'm uh, going to publicly declarate <laughs> uh, that... I am not going to drink until the end of 2019 with a little bit of wiggle room in June when um, I'm on vacation. A little wiggle room in June. Okay. So if now I've made this public declaration that I'm not drinking until uh, end of 2019 with a little wiggle room in June. Well, now the mental obsession starts.
January. Fuck it, let's just drink right now. You're mentally obsessed with drinking. When you're mentally obsessed with drinking, when you're a true alcoholic, that's all you think about. So any little fucking declaration, blah, 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 it's just an extra, it's, it's fodder. You've created something that's going to be in your head. You know what I mean? That deadline, that June will be in your head. You'll be thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. You'll be thinking about drinking. So, I don't know. It's an interesting article because, I mean, I think some people, I mean, like, I mean, there's a million ways to skin a cat. Like, there's not one way to skin a cat. So it's like, you know, some people out there may have um, just, you know, some people out there might be in that position, like this young lady. Uh, she's in a very cool, prestigious kind of job, trendy, funky. And uh, from time to time, there's quite a bit of socializing involved with her job. And she's in this position where it's like, oh, I'm tempted all the time to drink because of my peers, because of the events of my job. And uh, let's say, and she's not a true. Let's say she's not a true alcoholic, and she just wants to find a way to moderate. Yeah, I guess it could work, and I hope it works. Um, and that's it. If it helps, it helps. I just think it's interesting. I know it wouldn't work for me, because, like I mentioned, I'm an alcoholic, and in my world, it's like I got that craving. So if I were to Luckily, I've been relieved of my cravings for alcohol. I never really think about it. I never really crave it. And when I say never really, I mean from time to time, the thought creeps in my head like, oh, yeah, I used to drink. What would that be like to have a drink? But then I'm immediately, I'm immediately um, hit with the reality like, yo, I can't drink. That's just not for me anymore. The consequences are too great. And I know that when I take that first drink, I'm in craving mode. I don't know when I can safely stop. And um, that just sets off the mental obsession for me. So that's why I don't drink. That method couldn't help me. Though I'm sure it could help a lot of other people that aren't true alcoholics or, again, are just looking to moderate their drinking. So I thought I'd mention that because it's just strange to me in a way too because it's like it's, a, it's an article about, it's, it's from the perspective of the non-alcoholic. The person that's not an alcoholic but has a drinking problem, which is like a, is that an oxymoron? Two things that go side by side but don't make sense? I got a dictionary. Let me check the dictionary. Um, dictionary, dictionary. It's like an oxymoron or juxtaposition or something like that. Or Let me look, up, let me look, let me look it up here. I got my library book out, my oxy boop boop a doo and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Won't you come and play with me? Oxymoron, a figure of speech that uses seeming contradictions as cruel kindness. Huh? That's like fucking like, it's like, that's like um, mental shit or like deep in your head shit. You're just using that as a cruel, 
You're just using your cruel kindness as a seeming contradiction of a figure of speech to get at my feelings. <laughs> Oxymoron, you fucking vengeful fuck. I don't even know what it is. But basically what I'm saying is like, um, it's... Well, let's look up juxtaposed. I'm in a dictionary mood this morning. I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. Um, juxtaposed. Juxtaposition. What's your position? I want to juxtapose my posing of my penis. Okay, here we go. A place to close, uh, to place close together or side by side as for contrast. Yeah. Hmm, there's contrast. Yeah, there's a contrast. Because it's like, it's an article for the non-drinker, but it's obviously an article for the alcoholic. Because it's like, people that don't have drinking problems don't fucking, um, how can I go for a sober 2019 or a sober January? I don't have a drinking problem, but for some reason I'm, obs I'm obsessed with it. Like, what? This doesn't make any fucking sense. If you have a drinking problem, if you don't have a drinking problem, you don't do things like this. When you're in a social setting and people say to you, hey, would you like a beer? You just go, uh, no, thank you. I don't feel like a beer right now. How did he do that? How did she do that? Well, um, probably because she's a non-alcoholic. He is a normal drinker. She is a normal drinker. People with drinking problems do things like this, you know. I'm going to make a public declaration that I'm not going to drink between, uh, you know, Thursday, uh, February the 14th, between uh, the hours of 4.12, and like, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> I'm being judgmental. But, like, you know what, man? My opinion, people that don't have drinking problems don't do, play these little games. So that's food for thought. I mean, there's a million ways to skin a cat. There's a million ways to skin a little motherfucker, right? And, you know, I'm not going to claim to know everybody's heart and soul and how they feel about their drinking. But, um, you know, for me, this wouldn't work. Uh, Non-alcoholics don't think about moderating their drinking this way. If you don't have a drinking problem, you don't make public declarations about not drinking and blah, blah, blah. You just say no. You know, like, think about it. Like you go, you go, you know, how come, where, where's the mention of, I don't even know. I've said enough. That's how I feel. And, uh, but I also hope that anyone listening and they, they truly don't have a fucking drinking problem. They just want to moderate. Uh, I hope that helped them too. A little bit of interesting food for thought, a different way to approach, uh, I guess just moderating your drinking if you don't have a drinking problem. So. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms, any opinions on the matter, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Tell me about your imbibing uh, declarations and uh, if it's juxtaposed in the oxymoron of your cruel kindness feelings. <clears throat> Just let me know, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Was the article helpful, insightful? Do you agree? Do you disagree? What's up? Hit me up. As also mentioned on the podcast uh, last week,
last week on the podcast, as also mentioned. Ah, God damn, I said God damn. Having a sip of fucking uh, mint tea right now. Beautiful. Sorry, there's like a frog in my throat. Grab it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, lock your door time. Fake a smile time. Crank up the James Brown time. It's Black History Month. (laughs) Round of applause to all my black brothers and sisters out there fighting the good fight. Marching around in the white man's world trying to keep the heads level this time of year. This time of age, 2019. We're back here on Black History Month, ladies and gentlemen. On Jonathan Ram the podcast, motherfucker. You go check yourself where you wreck yourself, fool. And, uh, yeah, we're back here in a militant way on, uh, <coughs> uh, on, uh, on uh, Black History Month. And uh, what I wanted to talk about was um, interracial dating. I briefly mentioned it on the uh, I briefly mentioned it on the past episode, episode sixty one. Interracial dating. I'm totally cool with. <clears throat> you know. Uh, I don't think there's an issue. People love who they love. They're gonna date who they date. I say let the fucking let the fucking wild horses run. <laughs> <laughs> Wild horses can drive me away from you. I say let the fucking wild horses run, baby. Wild horses can drive me away from you. Let the wild horses gallop. <laughs> Interracial fucking. I love it. Uh, let it go. Let, 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 let those wild oats be sown. But, uh, yo, like, in principle, in theory, in practice, I'm for interracial dating. Let anybody date whoever they want, whenever. It's a fucking beautiful world. Where I get miffed, where my knickers get in a bunch, and I said knickers, calm down. It's Black History Month. Where my knickers get in a bunch is uh, the advertisement. You know, the advertisement. That fucking madman, Don Draper, fucking white man, suit and tie, chain smoking, fucking secretary, ass pinching, fucking uh, tax fraud deduction uh, advertisement agency bullshit. Every time you take a look on the television, billboard, newsprint, web blog, website, it's always the same deal. Some fucking gangly, geeky, fucking, um, you know, rounded-shouldered fucking little fucking wisp of a white man with some hot fucking black woman. That's their vision of interracial dating. Let the white men fuck amok. Let them fuck everything in sight. You know? But don't you dare put your nigga hands on my white woman. <laughs> Isn't that the deal? I never see I never see the flip side of it. I never seen, like, you know, it's like, because, like, they're threatened. Fear of black planet. 
You know, they're afraid of the black man. They are. They are. I'm starting to realize now that, you know what, a lot of this, like, I never, like, you know, I bought in, I don't want to say I bought into, but I believed, and I still believe, but I really believed in the whole Canadian multiculturalism bullshit. <clears throat> but yo, man, there is a segment of prejudice out there. Just general prejudice. And um, prejudice. And, you know, it just exists. And it's ugly. And it's in the hands of the... Who's it, whose hands is it in? I don't know. It's a deep issue, right? And, you know, growing up in Canada, feeling like, um, you know, we're, we're, we're taught that, oh, it's multicultural, multicultural. There's always some nagging thing in the back of your head, though. It's like, well, why does this, why do I feel differently in this circumstance? And how come I seem to get these results? And why, you know, oh, look at you, oh, I make people nervous. Oh, no, he's a black man. <laughs> I can always tell when people are nervous around me and shit. And it's just like, yo, like, I exist, fool. Like, I exist. We exist together. What, like, what is this nervousness shit? Like, is this your world? Whose world is this? Like, whose world is this? Like, who, what the fuck? Like, what are you getting all fucking angsty-wanksy, anxious about? Like, this is my world too, fool. Like, I have every right to be here. Like, sometimes you walk into a bakery, and it's got that real fucking gentrified fucking, you know, um, you know, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day kind of fucking vibe to it. And you'll walk in just looking for a bagel, and all of a sudden... <gasps> The air just gets sucked out of the room and they all look at you. <gasps> um, is there anything I can help you with? Why don't you calm down? You know, get your hands off the fucking, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, like, buzzer. You know those little buzzers they keep under the bank tellers in case, uh, you know, they get robbed or whatever? Keep Get your hand off the fucking buzzer. I'm not here to rob the joint. Just want a fucking bagel, coffee, something for breakfast. Is that okay with you, asshole? I'm going to work. Like... You know that vibe you get sometimes these peckerwoods be looking at you. <laughs> yeah, I said peckerwood. I don't care if you're offended. Maybe you are a peckerwood. <laughs> no, I do care if you're offended because uh like like I said, I want to date your daughter. <laughs> I don't want to insult my future father-in-law. You're not a peckerwood, sir. You're a you're a tall oak. Can I fuck your daughter now? Okay. Um, uh, I'm not out to fucking... Uh, yo, man, I just want to... Like Andre 3000... Like Andre 3000... Like, like Andre 3000 said. Is that a... Th is that, say that three times fast. Andre 3000. Andre 3000... Well, actually, it's not that hard to say. Like Andre 3000 said. Hello, lords, me again. Hi, I just want to make love to the whole world and all her girlfriends. I think he said something like that on a song. Hello, Lord, it's me again. Hi, just want to make love to the whole world and all the girlfriends. Like, uh, fuck it, man. Wild horses. Go out in there and sow some wild oats. Like, go, go. Inter interracial dating, whatever. That's like, it's not like I'm saying I want to do that. Like, uh, what I'm saying is I'm for a world where people are uh, unified. I'm not trying to throw a 
uh, a cog in the wheel and uh, divide and, you know, I got, you know, I got friends of all different ethnicities and I don't have any animosity or resentment to anything. It's just that when you see things and get experienced with things time and time again, then you start questioning, like, oh, why Why does everybody look at me when I walk into this bagel shop? Why is everybody so unner- uh, nervous about me when I'm at Old Navy? What the fuck? <laughs> What's going on here? Can I shop at Gap in Peace? Why is everyone staring at me? Like, after a lifetime, after 32 years of walking around and having people <gasps> clam up every time you walk into a room, you start to wonder, hmm, hmm. And I'm not like some angry black guy. Well, like I'm, you know, I'm disgruntled, kind of snarky, whatever. But like I don't show it. <laughs> I fake a smile. Moaning balls. Big fucking grin on my face. Moaning. Zippity doo dah, zippity day. My oh my, what a beautiful day. Plenty of sunshine hit my way. My oh my, what a beautiful day. I see a peck of wood fly, but I see an elephant fly. I walk around with a big fucking watermelon grin on my fucking sour puss. You know, people don't know the pains of my soul. I don't show it to everyone. But yet they still <gasps> clam up every time I walk into a fucking room. <gasps> He's gonna kill everybody. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, my, my point isn't that I want to, you know, rail on the white man. And the white man's a problem. And he's the cause of all the pain and suffering in our community. No. Um, you know, I got plenty of white friends for your information, and like, it just makes me think because it's like in the advertisement, it's it's just prevalent, and I don't know who owns the advertisement, what the big agenda is, you know. I think in society, people are trying to get along and loving one another, and all the races are mixing. But in the advertisement, and that's what I'm saying, in the advertisement, it's prevalent. Don't tell me when you look at a fucking advertising uh, segment and it's an interracial couple. What is it going to be? Come on. It's always a white dude and uh, an ethnic woman. Right now, the flavor is a white man and a black woman. A lot of times, it's white man, Asian woman. White man, uh, that's a big one. White man, Asian woman. White man, Asian woman. White man, uh, Hispanic woman, whatever, right? But now the flavor of the month, you know what I'm saying? Are you feeling me on this one? It's uh, white man and uh, a white man and a black woman all the time. Advertisement, sickening. <laughs> no, it's okay. But um, it just makes me wonder what the agenda is because it's never reciprocated. They don't want our black men. They don't want our black men. And it's an assumption. It's a, it's a drawing of a conclusion. But it can be read as, okay, well, the black man's not wanted. You know, it's okay. It's just, no, I don't mind if my son fucks a black woman. But um, God forbid my daughter sucks a black cock. Like, God for fucking bid, you know? That's the message. And, um, and you're not going to get her. <laughs> you know, and all, for all y'all fucking, uh, you know, white husbandry motherfuckers out there with kids and shit, 
The second your daughter comes home in a pair of Air Jordans, start calling her fucking guidance counselor because <laughs> that's a surefire sign. What, what? What? I just like them. They're, they're, they're dope. What did you say? Go to your room. <laughs> what? I just said that these shoes were dope. I said go to your fucking room. Oh, my God. You're turning out just like your mother. <laughs> But like, yeah, the second your daughter wears a pair of Air Jordans, it's a wrap. Say goodbye to that fucking walking in a winter wonderland. <laughs> Gone today is the new bird. Your life's fucked, man. Your daughter's out for some black cock. No, I just don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. Think of it more as like, uh, instead of like losing a daughter, <laughs> think about it as gaining a uh, parole e. <laughs> Somebody to come into your house and, uh, you know, eat your food. Put his feet up on the couch. But like, where's the reciprocation is what I'm saying. In the advertisement, ladies and gentlemen. Where's the due diligence? Where's the balance? Where's the the the, the accountability? You know? I'm not going to rest until I see, you know, one fucking grinning fucking uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, <laughs> Actually, you know, he was, oh, let me help you, boss. I can make the pain go away, Mr. Jingles. I, I, I just done helped you, boss. I'm, let me put my hand on your penis, Mr. Peckerwood, boss, and help you get rid of that syphilis, and then you can fuck your wife three times in a night, boss. Tom Hanks, huh? What did you say your name was? My name is, uh, what was his name in that movie, John? <laughs> You know, art imitating life. That nigga's name was John, just like mine. By the way, too, while we're on this whole, um, uh, uh, actually, no, that's a bigger thought for another episode. Let me stick to what I'm talking about here. So, yes, in the advertisement, I just want to see a little reciprocation, you know? Some fucking, not Michael Clark Duncan, but like, uh, you know, that's a bit of a stretch. God bless his soul. Um, not a Michael Clark Duncan, but more like a Michael B. Jordan. You know, I want to see a Michael B. Jordan looking motherfucker with his hands around some fucking, um, you know, uh, you know, some Kirsten Stewart looking dame or some fucking, uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson looking honey. Just his, his arms draped around her, his big black lips bouncing off the back of her white neck. <laughs> I want to see that, you know, as a fucking mirror to all this fucking, you know, 50% off at Old Navy. This fucking interracial family, fucking geeky white dad jumping up and down with a scarf on with his hot ass black wife and their little fucking, um, you know, um, cookies and cream little chitlins dancing around. Like, give me some fucking balance. That's all I'm saying is what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is what I'm saying. And, uh. I don't know. I think that's an issue to be addressed. The advertisement. Because I don't know what's behind that facade, but it's there. Tell me you don't see it. Tell me you don't see it in the advertisement. And uh, you know what? What the fuck? Uh, I got some time. I'm going to talk about what I said I wasn't going to talk about. What I was going to say was 
I wanted to save something for the for a previous for for the next episode or whatever, just because I was getting lazy and tired or whatever. But um, you know, nigga. N i g g a nigga. You know, it's not like you know some white people go up in arms. How come we can't say it? Well, number one, you can say whatever you want, but you know, there's gonna be consequences and repercussions for your behavior. If you want to go and drop n bombs, go right on ahead. But it's a reflection of your mental state because why would you ever need to say it? Just because you can say it? There's all sorts of racial slurs towards Jews, and Jews is not a racial slur, I guess, in the way it sounds. But like, there's all sorts of um, racial sw- slurs for um, Jewish people, for um, Irish people, French people, European uh, people. There's all sorts of racial slurs that I don't use. I don't go around dropping these slurs just because I can as a black man or whatever. Or it's because, you know, it's like a racial slur is a racial slur. So it's like, just because I can, not even that I can say it, but it's like, I don't do that because I know it's offensive to people. It's like, why would they ever want to hear that? You know what I mean? Like, I understand, yes, I'm a black man. Yes, um, historically, black people have been just uh, on the brunt end of a lot of racism. I mean, there's a lot of cultures that have been, but definitely the black community. And um, just because I, just because I'm, you know, on that team that's been suffering that way with a lot of racial indiscretion doesn't mean I'm going to go around saying fucking racial slurs on other names just because I can because I know how it looks it's a bad sound it's a bad look so if you're like you're a white person out there and you want to drop n-bombs go right ahead but that's how you look you look like an idiot like wow this person doesn't get it that's what it is it's like when I see a white person do that I'm just like oh they really don't get it like they really don't get it and um But why I say it now, <laughs> nigga, like sometimes you got to mature into it, right? Like I wasn't born in like um, a very predominantly black community. I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, born and raised. So like for me to go nigga this, nigga that, like it was kind of like, mm, like I just didn't, like who was I going to even say it to? There was no niggas around, right? It was just like my, me by my lonesome, a couple of Chinese friends, you know, that's about it really. And... You know, I never had, you know, a need to say it. Well, having lived in Toronto, Canada for the past eight years, you know, I've worked with a lot of brothers, worked with a lot of um, the black community, lived amongst a lot of the black community, and like, you know, really reinvested in my heritage. And um, I just feel it's fitting nowadays, right? Because like, you know, sometimes I'll be on the, sometimes we'll be on a job site, you know, and yo, what's up, nigga? You niggas, this, what's your shit, we niggas? And they talking all that nigga shit, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, maybe I can say it too, you know, finally, like, I earned my right, like, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna, like, express it all the time, but I think I earned my right to say nigga every now and then, you know what I mean, what's up, my nigga, and like, you know, I just, you know, sometimes you have to earn it, is what I'm saying, even I had to earn it, and I, and I am a nigga, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I had to go out and earn it, you can't just get that badge, oh, yeah, what's up, what's up, my nigga, this, and what's up, you, you have to earn it, Years on construction sites, my nigga this, my nigga that, and, you know, living in Regent Park, holla, you know, after a while, you, you, you earn it, 
You earn the right to say nigga. That's a badge of honor. That's a pride. That's a family heirloom. What's up, my niggas? It doesn't flow off the tongue quite that natural for me yet, but like I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm loving it too. Yeah, man. A lot of niggas up in Toronto. <laughs> Downtown Toronto, out of their goddamn minds, wandering around. Yo, what's up, my nigga? You know. If you're a black planet. Anyway, um. So yes, uh. Um. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I just don't know. I'm at that point, too. Um, you know, I'm saying some real things, but I'm, you know, trying to have a little humor to it, you know. Uh, you know, the issue of racial slurs in the black community and just in general. But seeing as it's Black History Month, can we have a moment to fucking talk about the black man for a moment? If that's okay with you. You know, racial slurs, uh, interracial dating, you know, the ins and outs of it. These are real issues. And I make light of them and eh, whatever. But, you know, it's like I'm living in the benefit. It's what I'm trying to be. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I'm living in the benefit of being a descendant of... A group of people who had to fight for their right, to fight for their civil human right. And I'm just living in that benefit. You know what I mean? Like I'm a modern black man, 2019, you know? I'm not afflicted by all the racial pain of the, of the civil rights movement or the slavery days to even go further way back. And... You know, things aren't perfect. Sometimes I see in advertisement, I see my kind, the black man, I see him misrepresented, cast aside, devalued. A lot of times in advertisement too, if they wanted to pick something uh, cowardly or weak or, um, you know, poverty, if they wanted to pick those things, then all of a sudden you see a black man. Oh, it's like, oh, we're testing for, uh, you know... Job employment centers, we're hiring. And there's a picture of a black guy standing there with a construction hat on. Or like, uh, you know, uh, you know, do you have um, uh, a kidney infection? Then you might want to try blah, 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 blah. And there's a picture of some black guy holding his fucking dick. You're like, oh, I'm going to piss my pants. Oh. Like they, they always want to cast a black man in an ugly light in the advertisement. And it's few and far between when I see a good thing. It, 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 for, for it to happen, it has to come through a visionary like, um, you know, like a Jordan Peele or something, you know, get out, make some fucking movie or like a Spike Lee or like a fucking, um, you know, that movie Black Panther. It's got to be something like that. It's never like the doing of like the general um, public to be like, let's cast a black man in a good light, a positive light. It's never that way. And that's how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. It's never in a positive light when it comes to black man media advertisement. It's never in a positive light. What, we're not dorks just like you idiots? You know how many black geeks are out there playing Dungeons and Dragons at this very moment? 
What, you think when we wake up in the morning, it's just like, you know, I can make, I can make bacon and eggs. Oh, I can make bacon and eggs, motherfucker. You know how it is. It's not like this whole, fu- it's like we're human fucking beings. We want to wake up and go through the day like anybody. And this whole fear of black planet, this whole fear of, oh, a black man, that's created by them. Them is not also just a white thing. It's like whoever is the person, whatever that fucking entity is, I don't know, man, it's a big question. But them, that omniscient, omnipotent them, they create that bubble. They cre- it's like where in history was it that black men were terrorizing the white community? Where is that in history? Well, if you go to New York City, you'll see it. Get your fucking chain robbed. I'm talking real shit. Don't give me these hypotheticals. Don't give me these isolated incidents. When has it been the black man terrorizing a white community? Oh, look out. Hide your purse, a black man. Ah. That's not the reality. It's a fucking farce. It's a fucking lie. And that's why I get pissed when I walk into a bagel shop and... Ah. Oh, no, a black man. Ah. Ah. Sir, I just want to get home to my kids. I just want to get home to my kids. Please, what do you want? Uh, 12 grain bagel, toasted cream cheese. That's why I get all up in arms when I walk into a fucking, you know, an establishment and I'm met with that fucking fear. <gasps> because it's in the advertising, it's in the advertising, and it's a bunch of horseshit. It's not based in reality. Though black men do rob people. <laughs> like we all do, right? Aren't we all robbing somebody? <clears throat> you know? Aren't you taking your fucking misery out on somebody? Stealing their time and patience? Aren't we all robbers? Okay, it's a bit of a stretch. Sometimes black guys do rob and whatever. But what I'm trying to say is basically, you know, we got to get together. We got to get together and be as one. Because many hands make light work. And yo, like... This is just the world we're living in. 2019, the modern world. We need to get together. As black men and women, as white men and women, couple Asians, preferably uh, a small amount of Hispanics. And, uh, (laughs) I don't know, I'm just throwing out bullshit. We all got to get together. Right? I don't know. Think about it, though. The advertisement. And before I get out of here, I want to read you an article. Here's one on Black History Month. Uh, I saw this at the post office. Made me fucking laugh. I was like, guffaw. Uh, check this. Canada Post to issue stamp honoring Albert Jackson, the first black postman this country has ever known. He used to deliver the mail. Now he'll be on it. Albert Jackson, who fled to Canada on the Underground Railroad and overcame racial discrimination to come to Canada, Toronto, and become the country's first black letter carrier, will be honored with a commemorative commemorative stamp in February, coinciding with Black History Month. There's a picture of him, right? <laughs> you know, he's got, a, he's got like one of those parts down the side of his hair, and he's got one of those fucking Colonel Sanders mustaches. <laughs> uh. 
yeah, it looks like fucking uh, what's his nuts? Uh, Danny Glover in uh, the color purple. <laughs> handsome, handsome young man. Albert Jackson was the first African Canadian postal worker in Canada and country. His appointment in 1882 stirred up intense controversy, and Prime Minister John A. Macdonald intervened. Um, born a slave in Delaware around 1856, Albert Jackson was one of nine children. Daddy was a rolling stone. After two brothers were sold, ugh, and his father died, ugh, his mother, Anne Maria Jackson, fled in 1858 with her seven children to Philadelphia, where African-American abolitionist, abolist, abolitionist, abol... Uh, abolitionist <laughs> abolitionist I know what that means uh, like a white person trying to get rid of slavery so God bless his white ass uh, American abolitionist William Still ran a station of the Underground Railroad helping fugitive slaves get to Canada the family settled in Toronto in 1882 when many black men worked as laborers <laughs> sounds familiar <laughs> Or in the service industry, Jackson landed a government appointment job as a letter carrier. But on his first day, a white postman refused to train him because he was black. So he was reassigned to Hall Porter. You can't deliver a mail. You can't walk up and down and be late with the mail like any other fucking idiot who worked at the post office. <clears throat> the incident sparked headlines in newspapers. On May 17th, an article in the Evening Telegram described Jackson as the obnoxious colored man, <laughs> saying he elicited intense disgust of existing post office staff. Two days later, an editorial paper noted, objection to the young man on account of his color is indefensible. Taxes are not made a penny less to a man because he happens to have dark skin. Hallelujah. Controversy raged. In a May 22nd, Letter published in the Gold Controversy Raged. In a May 22 letter published in the Globe, C.A. Johnson, a black preacher from Hamilton, called on the government to step in, asking who really controlled the Toronto Post Office. A bunch of high-toned letter carriers or the government. Huh? If ever a set of men did anything to make themselves appear ridiculous in the sight of the world, it is these stupid letter carriers of Toronto, wrote Johnson who was the editor of the British Lion, a monthly newspaper for freed men from the U.S. This damnable prejudice on the account of color must stop. We feel much ashamed of these postmen, and we believe that the Canadian public condemn them in their heathenism, heathenish action towards Johnson. Jackson. We got married in a fever. <clears throat> the black community mobilized. And on May 30th, a delegation, a delegation met with Prime Minister John A. Macdonald, demanding Jackson be put back on the mail route. It was an election year, and the Evening Telegram noted, there is at least one time when the assurance is given that colored people are just as good as people who are white. This is at election time. Two days later, Jackson was delivering mail, and he dis and disappeared from headlines. He held that job for 36 years until his death in 1918. Subsequently, the term postal 
was derived from Jackson the morning he went apeshit and shot up a fucking white contingent of the post office. Fuck you, motherfuckers! <laughs> Kidding. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Albert Jackson. Canada's first, uh, postman. Black postman. That was a little, uh... <laughs> article that I came across when I was uh, mailing something at the post office. Uh, they had a picture of him up on the, uh, at the post office they have like a, uh, like a television that, or like a monitor that, uh, a monitor that scrolls through different pieces of information and shit. And uh, they, had a, they had an image of him and it just cracked me up with that fucking Colonel Sanders fucking mustache. But, uh, you know, that is an example of how people are trying to get together, you know? Our country, Canada, is celebrating Albert Jackson. Uh, I guess it's the 100-year anniversary of his death. Well, no, past that, he died 100 years ago, I guess. He died in 1918. And they, they're celebrating him as Canada's, Canada's first black postman. And he's got, pro, he's got proud family members that um, are just gloating, and I don't know if gloating is the right word, more like glowing, Glowing with pride, uh, that was mentioned further along in the article, and it's just a reminder of how good things can be, and how people can be good together, and get along, you know? If I can deliver your mail, why can't I fuck your daughter? It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who, Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this February 12th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. Hallelujah. A lot of food for thought, a lot of controversy, a lot of love, a lot of insight, a lot of stupidity. If you got questions, queries, or qualms on this podcast, hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Send it in. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, you love it, you love it, you realize it. You live it, you love it, you realize it. You pull your penis out and smack it around. You let you let everybody know who's balls. Right, balls? Okay, till next time.